We are back for another Codex Cantina episode, which is just two guys talking literature, trying to make sense of it. Now, we spend a lot of time pushing ourselves, trying to understand this literature, organizing it, and then bringing it to a conversational approach for how we deliver it. And we've absolutely put more money in it than we've gotten out of it. So if you guys are considering supporting this channel, we'd appreciate you checking out our Patreon link at patreon.com slash the Codex Cantina, as well as Ko-Fi of ko-fi.com slash the Codex Cantina. It all helps us in running the show, along with commercials, guys. So thank you so much. We're going to do a quick commercial break, and then we'll get on with the rest of the episode. Apparently, I am just on a huge Exodus kick as I just finished Moses, Man in the Mountain by Zora Neale Hurston. But today, we are covering Exodus by James Baldwin. Yeah, I'm glad we're back to James Baldwin, man. He is good, good stuff right here. He's such a good writer. Welcome to the Codex Cantina, where my name is Una. And I am exiting crypto. No, I'll stick around. Hmm. (laughs) All right, so when we talk about James Baldwin, the last time we covered one of his stories, you taught me something interesting, which was some of his religious background, I think it was, or maybe it was one of our pre-talks. But in any case, you, you told me about how Baldwin himself was raised Pentecostal and that he was a preacher himself until the age of 17. Man, Sonny's Blues and some of the religious aspects of that and the Book of Isaiah and and a few other little, you know, hints and drops. But this one, ooh, this one is very straightforward, literally named after a book of the Bible, Exodus. And I feel like it's kind of a retelling in a new modern sense of what, like, for people of the South after the Civil War, kind of like for the Israelites of, you know, leaving uh, you know, out into the desert and trying to find their new home. Yeah. Yeah. So book of Exodus, if you didn't know, it's a story of slavery. It's a story of the Israelites, the Hebrews who were under the Egyptian Pharaoh's rule at that point in time. And Mo, you know, Moses is sent down the, the Nile river. I think it was, was it officially the Nile? They were down the river because they were killing all the firstborn Hebrew sons. And he kind of gets taken in. He's raised under Egyptian rule and, and you know doesn't know that he's has comes from a hebrew background leaves kind of hears the the burning bush and the taught the word of the lord he talks to god and this is an interesting story because god tells him hey go down to the pharaoh and tell him to let my people go and moses does and the pharaoh's like heck no i'm not doing that so along comes the plagues along come these warnings and god even kind of said that he was going to harden pharaoh's heart interestingly enough and eventually the Pharaoh does, you know, release the people. He chases them, the parting of the Red Sea, yada, 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 uh, which leads them, uh, which is basically a story kind of, I guess, of, of slaves being freed and getting out into the desert, heading towards their promised land per se, right? Like what's, what's, what's the, the goal? What's the happiness place, if you will, is, is, is the book of Exodus in a nutshell. I think this is the, the origin story. I mean, this is the origin story of the, the Jewish people finding Israel and finding themselves and making the the covenant with God and that he's going to protect them and, and have, you know, this faith based, you know, religion that's monotheistic. This is the origin story of these people. And I, I love that Baldwin uses this in reference to, this is going to be the origin story of the, the African-American or uh, the, the, the black culture and how it's going to be, integrated into the United States in, you know, the late 1800s. I, I love the parallels of the story. Right, because we start out and we know it's, I mean, obviously references to slavery because you have the Northern armies are coming in and freeing them all, 
right? Like there's no mincing of words. This was the answer to the prayers of the faithful who had never ceased both day and night to cry out for deliverance. So this was an interesting way to break this story open because this positions that the the north coming in and you know the civil war happening as a act of deliverance that it was freedom for them how did you take this line i kind of thought of it as this is kind of their saviors these are the covenants that are going to be made between the north and the freed slaves just like the covenant between the the israelites and and yahweh this is very philosophical of we're going to come in here and free you, but you kind of have to look after yourselves. Like we're not going to do it all for you. And that's something that I think that the people of the book of Exodus have to go through as well is they kind of have to, you know, pull themselves up by the bootstraps, so to speak. And this isn't just going to be handed to them. And the former slaves are going to have to work hard. And I think that's kind of what gives us to our main character here is that she is seeing that she's going to have to work hard and that she's not just going to continue on doing what her, her mother does. Well, it's, you're a history teacher, right? And you know that history is a narrative, right? And there's the narrative that, that Lincoln freed the slaves, but there's also the narrative that Lincoln was forced to free the slaves, right? It was, it was the slaves pushed and, changed the hearts and wrote about the, the slave experience. And people knew it was wrong. People knew it was evil. And eventually that mentality kind of overtook things. So is the idea of who freed who is an interesting question here. Well, I mean, there is the argument that while, yes, we revere Lincoln as a great person, we don't really know of truly what was in his heart of hearts. Uh, he was obviously very anti-slavery, but it, there is thoughts to that it was more of a political ploy and that, you know, he was doing this to try to, you know, rally morale uh, around the war because it wasn't going great. It was going so-so uh, in, in the middle of war. And this is arguably a little bit more political. I, mean, I think he did it because he is a good person in my historical point of view. But there are other historians that kind of argue a little bit against that, that it wasn't just completely alt altruistic. Well, we have a good quote from the story where you say, she had only to endure and trust in God. She knew that the big house, the house of pride, where the white folks lived, would come down. And what I like about this, too, is that the story talks about how, in, you know, when, when you look at the grandmother's beliefs, her, her thought was that God was sending deliverance, that God's heart changed and God was the one that freed them. Yeah, exactly. But you started to bring up earlier, Florence had a different view of things. She thought these were tales to console stories to help people feel better when it, when they were tired, when they were sick and that sort of thing. And she viewed her life as much more in her hands compared to in God's hands, like your grandmother, correct? Correct. So here's the line that I thought was really interesting to your point about this being kind of a play on the book of Exodus, which I don't think is a secret. But we have <laughs> the mother says to her, you mean to tell me the devil's done made your heart so hard you can just leave your mother on her dying bed. And I thought this was the most interesting part of all is how the mother says, you're, you've hardened your heart in the same way that, you know, if you look at the book of Exodus, God talks about how he's going to harden the Pharaoh's heart. He's going to specifically make sure the Pharaoh doesn't just give in. And that's such a strange scenario for many people to think about. Why would God force the, the ruler of, of Egypt to continue on with this evil act? Right? Like that's hard to reconcile. What was your thoughts on kind of like that 
hardening reference. I have a lot of mixed emotions here. For Florence, I think that she is a product of her time and generation. Her mother, we... We believe her mother was a slave, right? So she lived a completely different life than what Florence has gone through. So their perspectives are vastly different. Well, here comes Florence, who's one that is willing to buck the horse in a sense. And she is hardening her heart because I think to your point, I think it was hard to leave loved ones behind too, right? Like we see that in various narratives that we've read that, you know, they accept the suffering because they, they're told that they deserve it, so they start to believe it. Well, here's Florence who wants to rise above it for a better future, and she thinks this is her right answer to move forward. And you know, even her brother, I thought it was really interesting, Baldwin could have written this in a way where she just left at that point in time. But he specifically took her brother and put him between her and the door, like a physical force that says, Florence... If you want to leave, you're going to have to use force to do it, which I thought was an interesting decision. The brother is a very compelling character, I guess a nice way to say it. Uh, Gabriel, you know, I it's very interesting. Baldwin gave him an archangel name, but ah, I G Gabriel is a a, lay, a layabout and. The only time he's ever going to stand up for his mother and do the right thing is when it's against his sister. And it's a little bit frustrating because, like, he should be supporting his sister. They, why, why is their lives so different? Uh, and that he's saying, you're going to have to use violence. And they, they just got rid of violence out of their lives, and they should be working together. Uh, I, I thought that it was very interesting how Baldwin writes the family dynamic of the brother and sister of, of not working together. Maybe it's just different than the relationship I have with my sister that I want to work together and be positive with her. <laughs> Could be, could be. I, I don't, I don't know if that's, I don't know if I'm looking for violence with my sister, but I, I do think that sometimes <laughs> though, you know, um, when we look at Malcolm X and his writings, he was someone that believed that sometimes force was necessary, right? And, and Florence is the individual who is willing to use, I don't want to say violence, but she did have to use physical force to get what she wanted, right? Because otherwise she would have been forced into that, that role that she thought that she could, change that she could rise above by heading north do you think she's wrong for that i mean i i i thought she, i felt like she was justified in what she was doing at first i was a little mad that she was leaving her mom but then the more you think about her position of she's brave she's very courageous for doing this not only leaving everybody she loves but standing up to her family and standing up to a, a dying person that's throwing her a guilt trip i was like you go best friend <laughs> yeah i i mean i feel like hindsight's 2020, right? Like if I, I'm, I've never been in those shoes. I'll never be able to say what I do, but I would like to think that I would be the person that would leave. I'd like to think that I'm the person that would be able to figure out how to bring the family with me in some way. Uh, but you know, to that point of the earlier point of slaves, not wanting to leave other slaves, like that's kind of the same idea, even if you're free, right? You don't want to leave your loved ones behind. You do want to save them. And here's Florence who thinks that there is going to be no other person that saves me. I have to be the one to deliver deliverance in, in, in myself. It's not going to be me waiting on the Lord, per se, is kind of what I took the narration as. And she also questions whether she's going to do it. I mean, she has a lapse of faith for a little bit there, even in herself. And she says, if I don't do this now, I won't do it. I, I have to leave, Mom. I'm sorry. It, it's got to happen. So and she, she doesn't trust herself that she would cave. 
I want to talk about something that you mentioned earlier. You mentioned Gabriel being kind of named after an angel. It literally means, if you didn't know, God is my strength when you translate Gabriel. And there's a quote in this story that made me think of a line that Gabriel kind of delivered in the Bible. But in the story we have, but when the word has gone forth from the mouth of God, nothing can turn it back. Right? Meaning everything that God says is true. It's kind of what the story says. And that yeah. kind of echoes to me Luke one thirty seven, where you have, for no word from God will ever fail. And I think this kind of goes to our earlier point of Sonny's Blues, where Baldwin, well, you know, <laughs> he knows the Bible pretty well. And I think he's maybe making us kind of ask that question of what does that mean when it comes to the idea of slavery and to the idea of deliverance and how Florence had to take it into her own hands and even use force to get there. I don't think he's promoting physical violence or anything like that. But I think he is making us question, what does all of this mean? Do you think he was questioning a little bit that she's going against God? Because I think that her mother believes that she's going against God and God's will of supporting family. I don't I don't know if the, 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 the line of inquiry for me is there so much as, you know, going back to our earlier point, why would someone choose to stay behind and suffer? as opposed to free themselves, even at the expense of leaving their dying mother, which is heartbreaking. Oh, Misery loves story. company. <laughs> well, I, I, think, I think this speaks to the justification of it, right? We think that we can justify the suffering through doing this, through, through that, and that's the right thing to do. And uh, I think Baldwin just does the just takes this opportunity to make us question that. All right, guys. Well, there you go. Exodus by James Baldwin. We'll leave a playlist down below where you can listen to all of our James Baldwin stories. Please hit that like button. Please subscribe. Leave us a comment down below. We post videos every Monday and Thursday and sometimes a bonus video on Tuesdays. Peace. Una out. <laughs>